Here's here and very uh, excited that you came and, uh, and hung out with us this morning. We're, uh, it's fun to look back at what, what happened last year with, with our little nickel and dime operation that the Lord just multiplied and at the same time looking forward to what God is going to do, what he's already in process. We leave uh, in two days uh, for Haiti, which I think it's going to be like no degrees outside when we get on the plane. And then it will be like a lot of degrees when we get to Haiti. Um, but that's coming up uh, Tuesday morning, so I would appreciate your prayers for us. We've got a crusade that we started doing there uh, right after the earthquake. Um, there was some talk around uh, the world that God was punishing Haiti and that he was angry and that was why he sent the earthquake. Uh, and it's funny, in America we kind of choked on that, thought that was lame, but the people that really bought into that were, were Haitians. They're like, oh, that's true. But we rejected that idea. The wrath of God poured out on the cross on Jesus, satisfied God's anger towards us. He's not angry at Haiti. That's a symptom of a fallen world. And so this crusade is a celebration of life. And on next Sunday, while you guys are here, where it'll be a few more degrees, we're going to be marching through the streets of Jacmel, Haiti, with 8,000 Haitians worshiping and singing and praising in, right in advance of their Mardi Gras, by the way. They, they love they, any chance to go out in the street and burn some tires and, and party. They're all about it in Haiti. So we'll be doing that right in advance of that when they start their celebration there. Um, and also, David, uh, Christopher, we're, uh, do you wanna, how about right now is a great opportunity because if you didn't get a chance to go with us to Haiti in a couple days, uh, we are headed many places this year, but Guatemala is coming up as well. Uh, so if you've not signed up for that yet, uh, David will tell you how. Sign up for that. Um, so a lot of people have asked uh, about the trips coming up. We have several trips going to Haiti this year. We have at least uh, five more on the calendar. So if you're I have not sweat enough this year, so we're going to. Yes, yeah, so if you're interested in going to Haiti, there's ample opportunity. Uh, we are taking a big family-oriented trip uh, to Guatemala, and that will be the first week of June. Actually starts May 31st is a Saturday, and we'll go through uh, the following Sunday is June 8th. Uh, last year we took several families with us. It was a great success, and um, this year we're heavily encouraging uh, the youth to attend or uh, families to attend. We'll be having our first meeting about that in the next month or so, but uh, the first deposit will be due at the end of February, so we wanted to start talking about it now and get it up in people's minds so you can uh, start saving that uh, that way nobody's caught off guard. And by family-oriented, we mean bring your kids. Yeah, bring your kids. It's a great trip. It's a, we have the opportunity to do uh, light construction, uh, medical. Um, what else am I forgetting? We'll likely be uh, fixing up a new uh, home for, uh, for some new residents uh, in Guatemala by that time. Uh, so there may be uh, <laughs> some painting or building of furniture or whatever. Um, what else am I forgetting, dear? You're forgetting oh, feeding the program. feeding program. Yeah, for those of you that are new or visitors or haven't heard yet, Rob and Amanda Juilliard are uh, going to be relocating to Guatemala in this coming year. Right? <laughs> woo, 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 like Arsenio style. Their goal uh, is to make it just before we do so that we, yeah. by the time we come, we would be able to help them transition. So. Our quest here is not to get you to come to church more often. It's to be more like Jesus. And sometimes that's Jesus here on a Sunday, and sometimes it's Jesus in Guatemala. And all the times it's Jesus throughout the week. And so uh, 
They went with us last year in June, and the Lord had just been knocking on the door of their heart, and they did what many of us are afraid to do. They answered. I don't know if you know that, but Revelation 3, when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, it wasn't, he was talking to Christians. It wasn't, I, mean, I know it makes a great altar call sermon, but that's not what he was talking to. He was talking to Christians. So anyway, they answered the door, and that'll be part of that. So like, uh, you know, we're hoping to take some of uh, our families hoping to go, and uh, Ethan will get to hang out with Eli in Guatemala this year. So... If you are interested, how do we get a hold of you, David? Uh, David, uh, see me after service, or email is easiest, david at conduitmission.org. David at conduitmission.org. Yes, I will be in and out a lot, which is a good thing uh, between now and then, but uh, I will be around, and if not, you can see my lovely assistant, beautiful woman on the second row. Vanna. Um, But yeah, track us down, definitely ask questions. I can answer them all, probably. Awesome, thanks, buddy. Hey. I have just messed up my phone somehow. Oh, there it is. Nope. I, um, we've been running, I, I run this off of here because if you've ever tried to run keynote presentation when I'm preaching, it's kind of confusing. So we figured out how to do it here. I would love you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 11. And while we're doing that, would you watch this and, and chew what this guy's talking about? That are known to have a developed social life organized in small groups of several dozen members. The size of each of these groups is limited. In order for them to function, all members of the group need to know each other well. The average size of the group changes from 20 to 50 members. When the number of monkeys in a group passes a certain threshold, the social order crumbles and the group tends to split into two separate groups. A similar situation can be found amongst humans as well. The invention of language and gossip has helped us shape larger and more stable groups. Sociological research indicates that the maximum natural size of a group of humans is roughly 150 members. Most humans are just incapable of intimately knowing more than 150 people. So even today, the threshold of human organization is around the number of 150 members. Man is a social creature, and the feeling of loneliness can drive him mad. Yet the Western and modern world sanctions individuality. The individual is measured by personal achievements, such as having a career, wealth, a self-image, and consumerism. In this course of action, many people lose their social and familial connections in favor of a self-actualization ideal. As the social fabric in the Western world weakens, it is not surprising that more and more people define themselves as lonely. And thus, loneliness has become the most common ailment of the modern world. One of the possible reasons for this ailment is the online social network. In a world where time is money, in which our surroundings heavily pressure us to achieve more and more, our social life becomes tainted and more demanding than ever before. And then there's technology. Simpler, hopeful, optimistic, ever young. We become addicted to virtual romance, disguised by the social network which supplies an impressive platform that allows us to manage our social life most effectively. However, our fantasies about substitutions are starting to take a toll. We're collecting friends like stamps, not distincting quantity versus quality, and converting the deep meaning and intimacy of friendship with exchanging photos and chat conversations. By doing so, we're sacrificing conversation for mere connection, and so a paradoxical situation is created, in which we claim to have many friends while actually being lonely. So what is the problem in having a conversation? Well, it takes place in real time, and you can't control what you're going to say. And that is the bottom line. Texting, email, posting, all of these things let us present the self as we want it to be. We get to edit, and that means we get to delete. Instead of building true friendships, we're obsessed with endless personal promotion, 
investing hours on end building our profile, pursuing the optimal order of words in our next message, choosing the pictures in which we look our best, all of which is meant to serve as a desirable image of who we are. We're expecting more from technology and less from each other. The social networks aren't just changing what we're doing, but also who we are. And that's because technology appeals to us most where we are most vulnerable. And we are vulnerable. We are lonely, but we're afraid of intimacy, while the social networks offer us three gratifying fantasies. One, that we can put our attention wherever we want it to be. Two, that we will always be heard. And three, that we will never have to be alone. And that third idea, that we will never have to be alone, is central to changing our psyches. It's shaping a new way of being. The best way to describe it is, I share, therefore, I am. We use technology to define ourselves by sharing our thoughts and feelings, even as we're having them. Furthermore, we're faking experiences so we'll have something to share, so we can feel alive. We slip into thinking that always being connected is going to make us feel less alone, but we are at risk because the opposite is true. If we are not able to be alone, we're only going to know how to be lonely. The thing about going to a place like Africa or Haiti or if you've ever been to a developing nation, you see something that, you, that initially could be shocking and that is how happy they are. Because they're poor in the aspect of they don't have a lot of money. And they don't have a lot of things. But they're rich because they understand friendship. They understand relationship. They don't spend a lot of time trying to impress their neighbor with the value of their things. It's hard to covet your neighbor's stuff when he doesn't have anything. And in a Western nation, it's one of our challenges. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's not a sin to have stuff. It's just dangerous. Ethan brought this home to me in an interesting way this past week. My eight-year-old son, Ethan, we just moved out to a farm not long ago. And we were headed over to the old neighborhood to pick up one of his buddies, Kevin, who's his mentor in you know, all things weaponry and ninja and as we're going into the neighborhood, I was like, man, don't you, aren't you just excited you know, for our house? Because you know, God blessed us this year, and he got a little mini bike for Christmas, and he's got five acres to ride it on. And, and uh, you know, he's got a little 22 rifle. It's actually like play school is my first rifle, and you can shoot it you know, outside. Like, isn't that awesome? You know? and, and, and you can, you know, you can pee outside, and nobody cares. And, and, which, incidentally, was kind of a big selling point for him going in. He's like, really? <laughs> Like, I've watched him walk outside from, you know, with a perfectly good bathroom right there to take advantage of the freedom. But he said, not really, I kind of I miss the old house, kind of miss this. To which I was like, but remember you outside, you can, you know. And I said, but yeah, do, do you remember when we were looking for this house? We, dri- we pulled into this driveway of a house that we thought there's no way we could ever do this. It was, it just seemed out of reach for us. And you said it, he was home from school that day. He was sick, you know what I'm saying? And so it was me and Ethan and Shannon. And he said, I don't remember if it was in our driveway or somewhere between our house and the new house. He said, well, if I got to move, then I want my room to be LSU colors. 
Right. Well, I don't even know what I mean. Good. Congratulations. I just didn't know why. It was like, that's weird. As it turns out, it was Kevin, the, the ninja mentor, also happened to be a raging LSU fan. And so as confusing as it was, we go into this house for the first time. We open the door and we go look around and we go to the room that would be his room. And so I'm saying, don't you remember this, Ethan? We walked in and the room that would have been his room anyway has purple carpet and yellow walls. Who would have done that on purpose? Like when you put the carpet as purple, you were committed to that. And if you grew up charismatic, you're like, well, that's every church I was ever in in the 80s. You know, it was all about you know, purple carpet. But we didn't do that to our bedrooms at home. And he, LSU colors. I mean, don't you remember that? And how we said there's no way, this is kind of this conversation of like, we, there's no way we could do this. We would have to sell our house. And we had a rental house that we'd had for like 15 years before. We'd have to sell that. They both have to sell because we were, the only way to get it was we'd have to get a USDA farm loan because there's no PMI and the interest rate was lower. And all this had to happen. Don't you remember, Ethan, that it sold, like our house sold, like in 24 hours we got an offer in the house in Laverne, the rental house, we had one phone call within 24 hours, one showing, one offer, one sale. It happened like in the time. Don't you remember that, Ethan? I was like, you know, preaching myself happy. We're almost around the corner. He says, yeah, but all my friends live here. And it was a moment where I thought, that's what Jesus was talking about when you have to become like a little child to enter the kingdom. Because Ethan understands implicitly what we tend to begin to block out as we get older is that the relationship with each other, the relationship with our Father is the glue that holds us together. We talked a little bit about it last week with, in Revelation 11, if you're there, God, an angel told John to, verse one to, he said, I was given a reed, like a measuring rod, like a, a yardstick, and said to go and uh, measure the temple of God and the altar, and count the worshipers in there, and exclude the outer court. He's told to measure the temple, which seems so bizarre. And at some point, well, maybe, we'll get into that and talk about why. But as we're heading into a new year, I was reminded that Jesus at one point would talk about measuring a temple as well. Jesus would talk about measuring out a temple and if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open them? And I don't, we might, we're about to do some off-roading. And go to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Because Jesus would talk about it measuring out in the same way that John was told to quite literally measure it out, to measure out a temple. You see, in the old covenant, there was a temple, Solomon's temple, that was destroyed in 70 AD, the third iteration of it was destroyed. There will be a temple in the future that will be on earth, we're told. But in the meantime, it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives in you? And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. For years, I thought, and I'm not 100% sure that this is an incorrect thought, so I'm going to conject, is that a verb? Quick, someone get the verbs. I'm going to conject with you. The teachers are saying no. I'm going to pontificate with you. To look back here, 
<laughs> yeah, because we went from bad to worse in my language. You yourselves are the temple. My thought always was, we are little individual temples of the Holy Spirit. Janet is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amanda is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You yourselves, plural, are the singular temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what he just said. Not you yourselves are the temples of the Holy Spirit. You yourself, singular, so, I'm sorry, plural, are singular, the temple, singular. If I were to look at this brick wall and say, you brick are a, the temple of the Holy Spirit, or the, sorry, the school of independence, high school, each one of those bricks, that is a correct statement. That is the building, the school of independence, high school, plural. Bricks, plural, school, singular. Do you, see, do you see what I'm saying? And I believe this makes sense to me because in the context of what Paul is saying, remember, if you take the text out of context, you're left with a con. Always look at the context. And in the context of what Paul is talking about is unity. In verse 1 of chapter 3, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, but you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Verse 3, you are still worldly since there is jealousy and quarreling among you. That's how he knew that they were worldly. Because there was jealousy and quarreling among them. There was a symptom of that. And the symptom was what happens in that, the reason why that is important is that the bricks are breaking down, the temple is being separated and being rendered less useful. I take a brick out of here and a brick out of there. It's like a game of Jesus Jenga. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you pull out this one and pull out that one and eventually you pull it out and the whole thing falls apart. Because he didn't mean for us to be the individual temples he meant for us to be the temple and us together. It says, you, God is dwelling in your midst. Jesus said, where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. And it makes sense when I think in terms that 1 Peter 2, 5 says that you are living stones, plural, being built into a habitation, singular, for our Father to dwell in here on earth. And what is it that the enemy would want to do more than anything in this day and age but to divide us and conquer us? And I played that little video at the beginning because it was so intriguing. The man that put that together is not a Christian. It was a scientist that was just figuring out mathematically what Jesus and what God said would happen 2,000 years ago. You divide and conquer. I don't know if you've looked at a chat thread lately, but what happens there? I mean, people, it's almost like you develop, and I don't mean this to be an offensive statement at all, but like a form of digital Asperger's syndrome where you forget on the other side is a human and that I have no emotion and I'm just blasting you and you're blasting me and we're acting like that, that just didn't happen. <laughs> and on the other side, we have this false sense of relationship and Satan, I, I, look, I'm not saying Twitter, I'm not, I'm not saying it's evil. I'm just, let's be aware of what's happening and let that not substitute for what the Lord intended in our lives. As far back as the garden itself, the original temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God on earth, God walked with man and he talked with man. 
There was relationship with man to God and man to each other. And when sin entered that picture, what happened? The relationship broke down. The relationship with God broke down. Adam and Eve were hiding. They were fighting. She threw him under the bus so fast. No, he threw her under the bus. Well, it was her. She did it. It was him. He, you know, the relationship broke down because sin entered the picture. And I believe that the relationship is the cement, the mortar of the bricks of the body of Christ that holds us together. And if you're the enemy, to break apart not the bricks, but to break apart the mortar itself. What a genius plan to render us weak and useless on this earth. You see, when the earthquake happened in Haiti four years ago, which is impossible to believe. For those of you that don't know, we'd already been in Haiti working there three years before the earthquake. These were our friends. But the reason there was so much destruction and devastation was that the buildings were held together shoddily. I'm making up words all day. Is shoddily a word? We're going to call that a word. They were falling apart because of the construction practices. The mortar was weak in between them. And you knew this because when it was time for a lot of the demolition that had to happen, I could, keeping in mind, I have the strength of 10 men, so this is not saying much for me, but (laughs) I could just push over a wall because it was so shoddily held together. There was no rebar inside. The mortar was weak and and soupy, and of course it was going to fall. And while that was a, a sign of what was happening in the natural and the spiritual, I believe that's what's happening in the body of Christ of America right now all around us. Because on one side, there's this pendulum that says, okay, religion, you got to be in church every time the doors are open, we're going to be open Wednesday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night, and we're going to do Thursday night prayer, Saturday morning men's breakfast, Saturday night thing. And there's that pendulum where all of a sudden we're so busy with church that we never get to be around anybody else doing it. We're so busy with that. But the pendulum swung all the way to the other direction in some of our hearts that says, optional. That I just, I'll gather when I need to, when, I, when it's convenient for me. And in between those pendulums somewhere is reality, which is the, the meat of the word, which is right where God, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit being built. I believe with 100% certainty that the temple can be built with brothers and sisters in Christ coming together. Kyle Froman is such a great example. He is a chaplain for NASCAR. They have church in the middle of a NASCAR field, not because they don't have church because they're singing and because they do an offering. They have church because brothers and sisters in Christ are coming together. The mortar of relationship And I've been out with him. I've seen it, the relationship that these drivers have with each other. It's like a little family that just travels from place to place, like a traveling circus, but with a lot more money involved and really nice RVs. But there is a relationship that is forged in the battle for their souls. And I ask that question of us as a church, what does that mean for us? George Washington, when he originally, uh, when the, the, the Revolutionary War, and I've got this from... Malcolm Gladwell's new book, David versus Goliath, if you haven't read it, it's fascinating. But there's a chapter where he talks about the Revolutionary War of America. That in the early days, 
that the reason that we were winning was because we were not fighting the enemy on the grounds that the enemy decided we should be fighting them on. We were hiding in bushes while they're all lining up in their nice new coats and basically make a great easy target. We're scrapping, we're in the bushes. We're... As the war progressed, as Washington became more successful, as more victories were being won, he was in a race to Britainize the army. All of a sudden we got uniforms. All of a sudden we're dressing up in the nice little football pants and the nice jacket and, the, and lining up. And all of a sudden we're losing. Because we chose to fight the enemy in a battle that we couldn't win the way that they fought it. And I felt like what the Lord spoke to me in that book was, Darren, conduits have been around three, three and a half years now. Don't Britainize the army. Don't get into a race that this is the way we got to do it because this is the way that the enemy wants us to do it. Like, be open to what the Holy Spirit might be asking us to do. And what I believe the Holy Spirit is asking us to do is to come together like the living stones that he says and forge relationships together. And that as we're doing that, we do what a temple was meant to do. The temple in Eden, where the Holy Spirit, where God walked and talked with man, there was no hunger there. They were, uh, they were clothed in righteousness. It wasn't until sin when they had to find tastefully appointed fig leaves and, you know, and figure out way, creative ways for artists to paint them over the centuries. But then they didn't know that. They were taken care of. But God's picture of what God did, what is the first thing God did? He fed them and he clothed them in the Garden of Eden. As the temple of the Holy Spirit here, you and I together, we ought to be, we get to be clothing, feeding, serving and loving those who have absolutely no ability to help or serve themselves that can't possibly repay us for what we've done. That's why we were, that's why $361,000 went out the door last year because we believe that that's what we should be doing for our brothers and sisters in America and around the world because we are reminding them of what once was. The temple reminded them of what once was. The temple that Solomon built, the curtains and the drapes had images from Eden in it. The menorah candle was a picture of the tree of life. It was a reminder of how it once was. We are reminding people that the, the kingdom of darkness says you're worthless. The kingdom of darkness says that a family in Haiti or a family here ought not to be able to feed themselves, that you're worthless, that you have no value, that it's an emotional thing just as much as it's a physical thing. And the kingdom of God says, oh, no, 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 no. I, I knew you before the foundations of this world. I, I knew you. I chose you. And when we go and do that, we are reminding them and saying to the kingdom of darkness, not on my watch. It's a picture of the future, the temple that is to come. In Revelation 11, there's a temple that is to come where man walks with God and talks with him and is in relationship with him. And we get to say to them that it's not always gonna be like this, that the sickness, that the disease, that the death, that the poverty, that the strife and the quarrelings won't always be like that when we go and re reveal the future of the kingdom to them. It's a reminder, it's a whisper of Eden. It's a glimpse of glory into the future of what is to come. 
And we, on this side of heaven, we get to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Does anybody know how many times the word born again appears in the New Testament? Twice. If I were to ask anybody in this room, how do you be born again? We'd all know. The kingdom of God is mentioned as best count I've got is over 170 times. Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom. Not to create the kingdom. The kingdom already exists. We are members of that kingdom. We're inviting them. We're inviting you to be a part of that kingdom. And we proclaim that kingdom. But I don't just go out with a little bugle and announce the kingdom of God. We get to do that by going and declaring it to each other through the way that we love each other, through the way that we help each other when it's in times of needs, and by helping those around us that can't possibly, again, repay us for what we've done. Why do you think that when Jesus, I don't, look, I don't know 100% everything I'm going to get to talk to Jesus about on the day that I stand before him, but I do know something he's going to ask. Did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you clothe me when I was naked? Did you visit me when I was in prison? It's an open book test. We know some of it already. We don't do that out of works, by the way. We don't do that to earn his love. He said in Ephesians 2.10 that you're not saved by works. You are created to do good works. That's what we get to do. Which incidentally is why when you go do that, they used to call it the missionary high, the whatever. Is you come back and you're, you're on fire because you did good things that the Father asked you to do. And when you're cre- doing what you're created to do, it's awesome. It doesn't suck at all. And trust me, it's hot in Haiti. It's hot in India. It's actually kind of nice in Guatemala, I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) Pretty temperate for a man of my size. But it's awesome because it's the way he created us to be. Which is why in Luke 6.38, go with me, you think I forgot about the measuring? I didn't. Luke 6.38 when Jesus told the people, the disciples, it's on page 915. He's in the middle of talking and doing some parables and doing what Jesus did, but in verse 38, he's talking about loving your enemies. And he tells him in verse, let's go to verse 27. Let's do some context. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Those are those ones that make Jesus, seriously? Come on, dude. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from... These are those hard teachings of Jesus, and I don't have time to get into the depth of what he's saying here, but I wanted to read this because he follows it with verse 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, then what credit is that to you? He's talking about, you know, the the loving those that are hard to love. And it's in this context that he'd go down in verse 37 and say, don't judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, with the measure that you are measuring it out, so to speak, 
it will be measured to you. Jesus was saying to you and to me that John someday is going to be measuring a temple. Our job right now is to measure our temple out to our brothers and sisters in front of us and to the world around us. And as we're doing that, measuring that love out, that is what forges the relationship. Our relationships are forged together, not just in the context of when I'm doing good for somebody that now all of a sudden, of course they got a good relationship because I did something nice for them. In the context of us doing that together for others, relationships are forged. In a way that is, I believe, unique, in a way that, honestly, the way the Marines, the reason a Marine wants to be married, buried next to a Marine is because he warred next to the Marine. When you're in battle together, we're measuring out our temple so that in a society where relationships are being forged and faked and loneliness exists, we, if I did a show of hands this morning and asked how many of you are battling with loneliness, I would bet over half the room would raise your hands. I know this because of the conversations I have. And I've wondered, I've prayed, and I've thought, what does that mean? How do we address that here? Because look at this setup. This doesn't really condone, uh, is not conducive to unlonelying you. You're all facing side by side, you're facing me. Is that a wrong thing? Oh, absolutely not. But that's not the solution to forging relationship. The solution for forging relationship, I believe, is brothers and sisters in Christ, living stones coming together and being the temple singular of the Holy Spirit and serving and helping and loving those in the group as well as in front of you, together. In Acts 2, they came together, it says in 2.42, with prayer and fellowship and teaching and the breaking of bread. And then in verse 48, it says, the Lord added to their numbers daily those that were being saved. In between verse 42, verse 48, it says that they were feeding each other, they were clothing, they were giving. If they had it, they would sold it, they would do They were loving each other. Not a communist thing because it wasn't government imposed, it was as the Holy Spirit led them to do. But by Acts chapter 6, there were women, widows, who desperate, who were hungry, who didn't have a way to provide for themselves, who weren't getting the food. There was plenty of food, but it wasn't being distributed fairly because the Jewish widows were getting more and the Greek widows were getting none. And the disciples came together and said, well, wow, this is a conundrum. This is a problem. How do we do, what do we, how do we solve this problem? And it says in Acts chapter 6 that they appointed, appoint for yourselves seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, rock stars, and figure it out. The first instance in the Bible of a small group solving a big problem in this world. And so what ends up happening in our relationship right now, that we have these bricks that are ready to build this temple to reveal what God has for the future, to remind of what God once did, that the kingdom of God is here. Us as a temple, how do we do that practically? How did they do it in Acts chapter 6? You had on one side people that were smart, people who were gifted, people who were full of the Holy Spirit, people who were smart. And on the other side, you had people who were in need, for no fault of their own? How do you get the people who can meet the needs together with the people who have the needs? Well, they did it through small groups. 
And we've really prayed about this a lot and thought about this a lot. What is it that makes us unique at Conduit? We do this anyway. There's a little family in Haiti whose mama died last year. There's five of these, six, I keep saying five, there's six of these children. The oldest is 19, that's the sixth one. She's the one now in charge of taking care of the other five, the Malloy family, we told you about them last week. Mom died last year, they didn't have, there's no house for this family. They're living in a shack with little babies. And mama's grave right there on the property like you buried your dog out back. And what did we do? A small group of us got together and we figured it out. I get to tell them this week that we've raised enough money to build them a house. That by this time in June that they'll actually live in a home with a little toilet in it and three rooms and a safe place for these children to grow up and right next to the church so that other mamas can help take care of them as they're growing. A small group did that. We do this all the time, but what happens is we've grown. The needs grow and the talent grows, but you end up with things being overlooked because the system didn't rise to meet the challenge that was in front of it. So here's what we're saying. I hope you can smell what I'm stepping in because I'm really, really, really excited about this. We're going to start in two weeks on Sunday. Why Sunday? You're already here anyway. For the most part in our society, with all the sports and all the things that are jockeying for our time, this remains a little bit of a time when you're probably going to be available anyway. And we're going to start with three groups, not because we want to, you know, we don't want everybody involved, but because I, we want to figure out what we're doing. We don't, we're going to be making up some of this as we go along. I've done a lot of research and asking around, and I don't know anybody doing this, so... We're going to figure some stuff out. We're going to do some stuff right. We're going to do some stuff wrong. But we're going to hopefully do by the end of this time next year, we're going to have done a lot of amazing things for his kingdom, proclaiming the kingdom. Each of these groups, I'm going to lead one, the first one, and it's going to be our Discover Conduit. If you're new to the church, you want to come around and kick the tires, awesome. You're going to get together with us. Cortland is going to lead a group, and so is David. And we're going to look at problems that we have to solve for David's group, there's a hospice in Nepal where they just came back from. It's a guest house, but where people here, you're dying, and if you've been around a loved one who's dying in a hospice situation, it's, it's one of the greatest gifts we can give someone who's passing to the next reality of heaven. But in Nepal, you don't get that, except at this hospice here. There's a place for that there. We want to help to pay the rent for that next year, so we're going to figure out how to raise the money for that in this group. Cortland's group is going to get together, Place of Hope, which is a place that we have served for years. I'm on the board there. Christ-centered drug, alcohol rehabilitation. We've got people in our body that have gone through it, that have come out the other side whole and healed from that. But there's a waiting list a mile long, and there's rooms. It's an old nursing home that's been renovated slowly over the years. If we could get two more rooms renovated up and running, we get two more rooms available for two more people to get in there. That's what Cortland's group is going to do. We're going to do this over a six-week period of time. We're going to meet on Sundays. We're going to meet right after church here. We're going to load everything up. We've been in a race to simplify our setup as much as possible. We're going to have all the tables here. We'll have food, lunch brought in. Maybe we'll do potluck one day. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure some of this out. And in our groups together sitting around these tables, we're going to say, hey, 
Romans 12, somebody in here's got the gift of administration. Someone here's got a gift of mercy. Someone's got a gift of leading. Someone's got a gift of teaching. So what, whose gift is what? Let's figure this out. We need to get medical supplies maybe for the, one of these. You know, uh, Jeff and Sheila have a heart for Ukraine for the orphans there. And we need to get, how do we figure that out? We need to get a group around them and figure it out. And it's, why six weeks? In six weeks, if we don't give ourselves a deadline, it could drag out. But we give ourselves a deadline, and in six weeks, my wife said, it sounds like Celebrity Apprentice. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we get Stephen Baldwin and Clay Aiken in here, and we'll, we'll spice it up a little bit. But in the meantime, it's just us. And at that seventh week, we're going to be here on a Sunday together, and on that Sunday, it is Celebration Party Day to celebrate what God did through you. Didn't bottleneck it through me. Where are we going to figure out the needs from? We get people in here passionate about stuff. I know it because you're talking to me all the time about it. And I'm going to say, great, we'll, we'll pray about it. Is this something we can do in six weeks? Is this a need that we can meet? What group is going to get around this? And in that seventh week, we're going to celebrate it and meet it. We maybe take a couple weeks off, and then we do it again. We're going to start with three again. So if you're not a part of that first group, not because we didn't love you, mostly, honestly, because you're probably already connected in a small group here at the body. Most of the ones that we've decided, hey, this will be a good one to put on that first group is not only because you're talented and witty and possibly good looking and all those things, but also because you've communicated that, hey, you wanted to get connected here. Someone asked last week, is this going to replace the current small group that we already have? And I say no. It'll just supplement it. While you're getting together, why not do some awesome stuff? Why not look in the room and say, hey, this person, this need right here, we got a single mom, let's just hope mob her for six weeks. Figure out the top ten things that she just needs, that there's no possible way she could get on her own, and how do we meet that? I believe that this is a beautiful way for the body of Christ to birth new opportunities, new ministries. I say that because that's already what happened here. When we started Conduit, Man, we were, it was just a handful of us, Shannon and me and Jeremy and Amber. We were a little Bible study meeting downtown, Franklin at the, the listening room. And, and we, at that time, I didn't think we could do much more than feed 15 kids in Haiti. So we let's do that. Let's just get some money and we'll, you know, some gum wrappers and whatever, we'll send them down there. And before we knew it, 15 kids grew to 450 kids. And before we knew it, we had this sponsorship program whose idea, it wasn't my idea, by the way, it was a young man named Philip Peters and as time went and it grew, we said, hey, Philip, this is your heart, your passion. And if you go to RestoreHaiti.com, you'll see an organization that was born from that, that it's its own entity now. And they provide for the, the, clothe, the, 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 the financial sponsorship for the kids in Haiti goes directly through them. We take care of the orphanage, the clinic, the church, basically everything else. But they are that spoke on the wheel. And I don't have to worry about it. I was on the board up until two or three weeks ago, and I, or two or three months ago, and I finally resigned because it was like, they don't need my help. These are smart people. They're figuring this out. That may be born out of here. That might, I am perfectly fine for that to have happened here. But what I don't want to do is to stay in literally in a circle the wagons mode and say that it's us for no more Sorry, better luck next time if you weren't a part of our group. And will relationships be forged in that? I think so.
Because you're going to be people that are going to be smart and saying, oh, that's how we do this, or how do we do that? And, well, I didn't know that you did this. And, I did. and if you're like the administrative person, you feel like I never have a place in the body because it's no fun, I'm an introvert. For the love of God, we need one of you in every one of those groups. Because somebody's got to figure out to be the string on the balloon and say, hey, that's a great idea. Who's going to pay for that? Your gift is needed. <laughs> we need leaders, we need thinkers, and we need you. The body of Christ needs you. And at the end of the day, what you get to be and do is take the gift that God put in you at birth and use it as the tool that God put in you to proclaim the kingdom of God to widows and to orphans. And man, if nothing else, when Jesus, when you and I, we all get to stand before the Lord that one day and he says, hey, did you feed me? Did you clothe me? You're gonna get to say, absolutely I did. The danger is right now, incidentally, is you're in this group together and we can look at that and say, $361,000. Congratulations, man, I did awesome this year. And you can get the impression that you did something when all you really did was just share a Facebook status. Conversely, you can pat yourself on the back and say, oh man, I wrote a big check. Congratulations to me. Look what I did. Neither one of those are healthy. Hiding behind writing the check when you've got this gift that can teach. If you're someone who has been prosperous and you can actually use that gift now to teach young men and women to be good stewards of finances, we need some of that. <laughs> Thank you for the check. We're really grateful. Awesome but stand to post with us. And for those of you that don't think you can do anything, if you're, if you're a single mom in here and you think, I already, I have so much need, we wanna love on you, but you're like anyone else in this room where we have, I have need in this area, but I have extra in this area. So you can play a part as well, bringing your gift. Does this make sense? What questions do you have that I have confused you? If you're part of the body and you're saying, hey, I, this is great, but what, do you, what about this or what about that? We did this last week, and I want to do it again. So if you were here last week, I apologize if this felt a little repetitive, but we figured out this that a, a conduit, because we're a church on the go, that if you're here once a month, you're kind of regular. So I want to make sure that we don't leave any stone unturned on this. And you, what does the statistics say? You know, you other pastors know, it's like you're only going to retain 10% of what I say anyway, so you're probably thinking, man, 10% of this felt really familiar to me. <laughs> Who's got questions? Wendy, then the Edie. I feel like Montel again. Okay, after. So immediately following. Hey, are you wondering why we started at 10? You thought it was so we'd get the musicians here? Uh-uh. We're going to be done here by 11.30. By noon, we'll be torn down and set up. You've got to go to lunch somewhere. And in the early days, we'll meet here. But as a group, like if you're a group that's already meeting, like the Tiemann and Juilliard group that's gathering already, go for it. Do it at your group, but we want to provide the opportunity for you here. I mean, think about it. If I say, oh, now from here on out on Thursday nights, you're going to be like, ah, I've got plenty to do. I don't need another thing on a Thursday night. So we'll cut it a little short here. <laughs> 10 to 10, you know, 1130, and we, we really believe, honestly, by 11 o'clock, we can be up. I mean, look around you. It's tables everywhere. It's perfect. It's, let's lead with our strengths. We put the tables down. Maybe one day we bring a Taco Express in. All God's people said amen. <laughs> what else? What other questions? Jen. Um, how long she said, how long on Sunday afternoons? Uh, till one o'clock. We got to be out here by one. 
oh, that's up to you guys. The groups are going to say, as your group is going, you'll figure that out. You might be able to, I'm holding this like I need it. (laughs) You'll be able to say, hey, our group needs to do this, so maybe you don't meet the following Sunday during the afternoon. Here, you go to Place of Hope and do the construction. Or maybe you decide we're going to do a work day on a Saturday. But over that six-week period, that's just, you get to figure that out. It's, we want to build, it's almost like if you stink at bowling like I do, we just want some bumpers to keep you on the, you know, on the thing. But other than that, there's a lot that can happen in between the bumpers. Once you're rolling strikes, <laughs> we want to set you up to succeed and let you do it. What else? Oh, come on. I, I confused my wife more than this in a, just breakfast. <laughs> it couldn't have been that clear. You're right. Hang on, they're formed. <laughs> How are they going to be formed? In the early stages, uh, we're going to, for this first three, we're going to, we've already kind of pointed out, thinking, okay, these, again, people that said they wanted to be connected, people that have a specific gift or talent in, in a specific area. At, as these six weeks are going on, as we're talking about this, my instinct, and I'm saying this with hesitation because we're learning as we go along. I don't want to put everybody on a whiteboard and just say, you're here, you're here, and all of a sudden we're in our new forced friendship groups. But to say, like, our hope would be, (coughs) computer programmer, coder guy, is that we create a system in which someone could say, oh, I have a need, and I could just, I could post the need that I have here. Conversely, someone can say, "Here, here are my gifts, and here are my talents, and we have those here, so we can say, hey, this is going to be a group that will be a more construction-centric, so we'll form it around here. This group is one that's going to be more that's going to need some, uh, maybe we need to build a website for the Juilliards as they're leaving for Guatemala, so maybe we need a group of computer people to gather around them for six weeks to figure that out. So there's going to be, it's going to be uh, loosely controlled. And the hope would be by this time next year that it's running like a well-oiled machine because we have a lot of talented and gifted people that actually we may even form a group to figure out how to figure it out. If, if we waited, I, I was a manager in the music business for way longer than I care to admit. If I waited to have everything figured out before the tour left town, I would have never had a tour leave town. There, <laughs> there are some things you're like, okay, I got this one. I don't know. We're going to figure out when we get to Minneapolis how we're going to do that. When are we going to let them know? Uh, some of you have already heard from us. Cortland, David, and I have been contacting individually. And if you, uh, and I think there's a handful that still need to be contacted. Um, and again, if you're part of Discover Conduit, you made my job easy. If they're really passionate about one of these three things, can they still ask you? Yeah. Let's go with Amanda's question. We're going we're gonna to land on that. What if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, but you do want to help? I could make you take the test. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. If Keith, right there, he's walking. If he just spilled, in, <laughs> spilled a cup of coffee, shattered it all over the floor, what would your first reaction be? Would you be to laugh at him? Yours is not the gift of mercy. So we're, we're narrowing him down. <laughs> 
your gift is, oh, I feel like I should be the guy that we got to take up an offering to figure out how to get these cables figured out. You may have the gift of giving. Somebody's got to figure out how to, we're going to do this better. If, you're, if your first instinct in a situation is where your spiritual gift is, is what I'm trying to say. And maybe we do the test. Maybe we, you know, um, you try things. We're going to figure it out on the fly. Because God has gifted you in a way, and, if, and what I love about humanity is that sometimes, and I believe me, I actually believe in personality profiles and all that, but you can actually cook it to your, you can answer the question how you wish you were as opposed to how you are, and spend your whole life miserable, so I encourage you not to do that. But, but we'll figure it out on the fly as we're going. Because sometimes the Lord asks you to do something that's not in your gift, you just have to do it anyway, because you're the only guy there with a shovel. But the fact of the matter is, is he may be, the, you know, he may be calling you to do that, so... What else? Rachel, I saw you at Walmart yesterday, or two days ago. I've seen her at Costco and Walmart. <laughs> She's I a mom on the go. Sorry, I didn't see you. Well, um, you were all the way across the parking lot. That would have been creepy to holler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey! He's stalking me. Yeah. Um, once the groups figure out what they need, is there going to be kind of a call out to the church? Because, you know, if I'm not involved in a group, but there's mm -hmm. obviously things I can do more like child care otherwise there's sure. children coming along with me yeah um will there be kind of a call out to the church so those of us that are not involved can if we have something to contribute be yep. able to help out yep there will be and we will uh in that in that context one of the things that's on my heart to share with you and i guess i just wouldn't share it today is not it when we're doing something like this there's all of a sudden everybody's asking for money all the time you feel like you've just joined amway church okay we don't want that <laughs> come to you know but what, the other side of that coin is to say, we'll put the gifts out there and you only give as the Holy Spirit leads to you with no pressure, no guilt, and no weight on you. But the fact of the matter is that you know people outside of this body. That, that may, and I don't care if they come here on a Sunday morning. But if there's a gift or a talent there and you know the, the, the food pantry in College Grove, which is something that Tony and Lynn have a passion for. And so there are people in College Grove that we may be able to uh, work with and get things going with them that are not part of us, but we do, we will, on the other side of that, we will put word out to the church, and again, that's a system we're just going to have to build as we go, as the way to put out the needs, because there may be somebody that has the very specific niche thing that we need here, and the thing is, if we do it only on a Sunday morning, we'll never get the word out that way, we just won't, again, because if you're here once or twice a month, you're a regular, so we spend our entire Sundays literally like a giant Craigslist ad, we need this, we need that, and you'll, you know, it's overwhelming for you, but we'll, we'll figure that out in an online context eventually, and in these early days, we're going to be figuring out how to, you know, how to get the word out, so. Let's do this. Um, David? Yeah. The, the idea is, uh, for multiplication, that, that we're starting with three, and the word, uh, when Darren talked about it last week, we talked about it, the, the meant to multiply, so if that's not coming through, that's what the idea is. So then it starts with three, and then out of that, uh, based on interest from everybody in the church and people, other people being passionate to want to start a group or lead a group or be a part of a group, then more groups would come out of that. And then out of those groups, then more groups would come out of that. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, that's the, the, the hope. The hope is that we'll have multiple groups with multiple things going on. And then again, that it's not bottlenecking with me and that Shannon and I, you know, David and Jana, Portland and Kristen are well. We may be leading them, or we may just be part of a group for this period of time, for that six-week period. As our worship uh, players are coming back, we got one more question, unless I can thoroughly confuse anybody else. I'm not confused, but I uh, just wanted to say, 
<laughs> well. If we were, if those three groups were presented, the, con the you know, Discover Conduit, the hospice, and the uh -huh. construction, Doug and I would look at each other and say, we don't fit into any of those. Right. So, and we were approached and we were asked, mm -hmm. that is a good practice. I'm not a joiner or a signer upper. Yep. So, yep, we, we I would that. just want us to keep an eye on the people who aren't jumping in and yep. just approaching them and saying, yep. this is where we want you. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. And that's why I believe the Bible actually said that they appointed these people. They didn't right. wait for them to sign up because there's a lot of people like you and you are not alone. In fact, you're not only not alone, I would say you're the majority of people that really have a talent and a gift. And, and frankly, you know, maybe you've, you've, the hospice thing doesn't you know, have a heart for that. But you could play a part in changing somebody's life in the middle of that and find a gift you didn't even know you had to begin with. And then the hope is that next six weeks cycle comes around and, you know, maybe you and Doug are leading one with something that you're super passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. She said that we, uh, we wouldn't, it's not so much that we didn't have a heart for that, it's that we didn't think we'd have something to contribute to that. Which is right, we've, and because you do, by the way, we've got something, we got something with your name on it. <laughs> Ready to go. Yeah. Well, I would um, have a suggestion. I know that the conduit group is a good way to communicate what you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And if you um, personal message uh, Pastor Darren or one of the other pastors on your passion, then maybe they could get a good idea of where everyone fits and what yeah. we're already working on. Yep. And I'm in a unique position already, but here's why we got to do it this way. That whole thing that they showed at the beginning where 150 is maxed out, I'm maxed. I know pretty much most of the people that have been regulars. I know who you are and I know your gift and I know, but you know, the other day we're sitting at a place with coffee and a guy named John Demeester, who was part of our fellowship for a long time and Mark Bourgeois, who's been a part of our fellowship for a long time, walk in together I'm having coffee with one. The other guy's like, I introduced them. They'd never met before. And I know, but I, so I can, I can, so I, but I can't put myself in the middle of that where I'm the guy constantly putting the groups together because we'll never get past where we are with it. So we'll, yeah, we'll, whether it's through, for initially it will probably be through Facebook, but as we're growing, we will see that unfold even more so. I guess my question was, I mean, being fairly new here, um, yeah, I can talk about it. <laughs> emails and texts and stuff, is there a main contact person to ask questions to about like small groups to get involved yep. in or I guess I'm, I mean. She's asking who's the main contact person to email like, and contact. So we don't always just go to you or to yep. Shannon or to the, you know, in yep. Portland or, or, or yep. who is the. It's, yep. In this, in this first, again, the first three weeks is, uh, or the first six weeks, these first three groups is a trial thing for us to figure it out. And that person is Cortland Fuquay, Cortland at conduitchurch.com, K-O-R-T-L-A-N-D, Cortland, K-O-R-T, land, at conduitchurch.com, who's homesick today, by the way, if you'd be praying for him, he's, he got sick just in time to go to Haiti, so that'll be a lot of fun. We'll be contacting him, but, if, but as this, the perfect world for me, and I've been praying, this is someone, I'm going to need some spiritual gifts to come forward to help us with this, is the infrastructure in place. If we can get the system set up, not so we co-serve some dumb system, but a system that can serve us. Your body has a system. When you get sick, your body knows what to do. Things happen. Blood 
changes and white blood cells. And your body knows what to do. There is a system, but it system doesn't, or we don't serve the system. The system serves us. So that's the prayer is, and I'm laying, I'll lay it out there this morning. If somebody's got a bright idea on how we do this, not my spiritual gift. Mine is the idea guy. And I really believe that this is what the Lord is saying. I, I feel more excited about this. I, I feel like we're, we're, we're like brand new baby church all over again because it's like this was the missing key link to me. It's like how do, I know all of you. I know you're talented. And unless you want to sing on the worship team or be a part of the setup team, and we need, we need all of those things. But in a room full of, I look around, how many of you have been missionaries full-time? You've been pastors full-time. You're executive pastors, associate pastors, somewhere in between pastors. Your gift has not gone away. It's still in you. And you've maybe come to me and said, hey, if I can ever do anything to help, I'm here for you. This is it. And after these six weeks is up, we're going to, again, be, we'll be updating as we go. But after these six weeks, it'll be somewhere around mid-March, we're going to launch a whole new set of these. And inside of the three that we have, we'll hopefully have three groups born from that so that we would maybe have six, seven groups working, being led individually from people like you. Could it be that simple? Could we just really measure out and with the measure that we're giving out and the reason that I've tied this all in the context of loneliness is as you're measuring it out, it will be measured back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men give unto your bosom, unto your, just dump it all over you. You're like that Lipton tea commercial. You just fall backwards into, you know what I mean? It's like, um, that's, I've dated myself a lot this morning. <laughs> I'm making Arsenio references, Montel, and I've got a, the Nest Tea Plunge. That's what it was. <laughs> will men give unto you? <laughs> forged in relationship, and at the end of the day, proclaiming the kingdom of God, doing the only thing that he asked us to do, go and make disciples. Jesus made disciples not in a classroom. There wasn't a discipleship 101 class. He said, hey, we need to do this. Go do it. And then they did it, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. Hey, the demons didn't come out. Yeah, that's true, because you need to do more praying and fasting. And those ragtag bunch of disciples, fishermen, tax collector guys, changed the world and they learned it on the job apprenticeship style we're going to be making disciples you're going to be making disciples and we're going to be proclaiming the kingdom of God if you'd stand to your feet we're going to worship for just a little while longer if you have questions as they're unfolding in your hearts and minds I picked a great time to go to Haiti so don't ask me because no uh, we will have uh, we'll have email access this week I think this first Discover Conduit is full, so we can't have anybody else on that group. But if you are new, we will start in six weeks. There will be another, or so be, I guess, eight weeks. There will be another group forming, and you can be a part of that with us. And if you weren't contacted, again, it's not because you're not, we don't like you, or you're not impossibly good-looking or witty or any of those things. It's, we started somewhere, and we were mostly people that I... Would say that communicated to us that they hadn't that they weren't connected or, or people that we thought could lead a new one because we knew them well enough to think they could actually lead one afterward there were reasons and thoughts we had behind it father would you give us wisdom on how to literally cement and forge our relationships together with the bond of the relationship that's forged in fire of serving you Lord, would you give us 
the ability to build these relationships with each other without quarreling, without fighting, and being mature temple of the Holy Spirit. And I would ask, Lord, specifically for you to begin to impart into and rise up inside of the men and women here, the ideas and the creativity and that we all are using our gifts to proclaim that. Would you begin to work that out in our hearts right now? It's a new year. We're not looking back, Lord, and just camping out and saying, oh, scratch our own, pat our own back. We're saying <laughs> onward, forward. We're moving into your, into your will, into your future. Thank you, yes, for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for what you've done through us. And thank you for the wisdom to proclaim what we're going to do into this near future. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we sing this last song, we're also going to be taking our tithes and offerings. Uh, and also on the sides, we do have communion set up as well. We have a time to reflect as well.
You know, my hope would be that as a body of believers and and if you're, you know, kicking the tires, is, is this my church family or not? You know, this, whether you could be like Ethan and say, hey, yeah, I know all these bells and whistles, but man, all my friends are there. Because <laughs> if you look around, we ain't, we ain't got no bells and whistles. I don't think we have a bell, let alone a whistle. But that our relationships forged this way, in a way that might be uncomfortable, but in a way that you are giving out. I mean, we were talking last week, it was... Uh, We need medical supplies. And Leslie said, hey, what if I have, I, I work at a hospital. I could, I worked at a hospital. I, I work in the pharmacy now in Walmart. I, I could get medical supplies. And these ideas are already cranking. And it's so, we're, you know, we're, we're maybe getting together on a Sunday after, you know, noon for lunch and talking. But throughout the week, you'll be in touch with each other and figuring stuff out together. And, and you know how that's going to go down. You're going to be on the phone talking about medical supplies. Next, you know, you're talking about your own kids and the struggles that you're going through, praying for each other. Because that's just... It's just how life works. It's how God designed it. And all I want this to be is a, a bumpers on the side to say, hey, here's, if, if you don't want to be connected, I, we can't ever force anybody to do that. But if you wanted to be and you don't want to be lonely, I, I, we just want to provide an opportunity for you to do that in the context of doing meaningful things for the kingdom. And do some awesome stuff. Maybe we'll get kid president in here someday and <laughs> address the crowd. Do, do awesome things. Have a great week, you guys. Happy New Year to you. If you're uh, talking, if you don't mind stacking and chatting, uh, you'll see there's some new bins out there that we brought in this morning. Where Again, we're trying to simplify our setup and teardown. That's why you don't see the pipe and drape walls over here anymore. Things we can simplify to make it easier so that then we can then get immediately into this, uh, the groups as they're unfolding. So have a great week. God bless you. Uh, we'll be updating you on the Facebook page from Haiti this week.